Welcome to Strength in the Numbers. My name is Andrew Codd, accountant, author, and commercial finance entrepreneur. And it's my job each week to bring you leaders in finance and business and deconstruct with them their real stories, insights, and hard-won lessons into practical advice on the key strengths and qualities you need to remain relevant in accounting and finance today, as well as the steps you can begin to take to elevate the impact you make to have a fun, successful, and rewarding career in accounting and finance. Now let's go over to the show. Hi everyone and welcome to this week's Strength in the Numbers show. Now, what's been the biggest compliment you've ever received as a finance professional? Because one of the highest compliments I believe we can get is to be asked back, whether by a business partner, stakeholder, client or customer, because it seems to suggest that we're able to go and create and capture value for them. And a common theme for today's guest mentor, Wayne Ackerman, throughout his career has been to be asked back quite regularly and uh, on this episode together we also go on to deconstruct how we can actually go from good to very good by just having the power to positively respond to criticism and a powerful question we can also ask to add value which uh, Wayne received from a very wise HR person. Also on keeping your sanity Wayne had the experience of helping an organization grow for 350 million dollars and and how he kept his sanity when running that and also on how getting yelled at actually helps people feel better if we can handle it right so look i hope you enjoyed this episode it's really jam-packed with fantastic stories and advice from throughout wayne's career and he's a really great guy to get on with so please check out the key quotes that come up on the show resources mentioned and ways to connect with wayne at sitnshow.com And don't forget to let your friends and colleagues know about us. We're on all the major platforms, iTunes, Stitcher, SoundCloud, and YouTube. And really appreciate you investing your time with us today. So without further ado, over to Wayne and the show. Sure, Andrew. So like many of us, I had the traditional start in public accounting, several years with Deloitte & Touche, and then I found my love for the middle market, and I went to a a large regional firm that had a little bit more uh, of the middle market clientele on the East Coast. Um, my first job was, was a client, my first CFO job, um, a, a distributor of raw plastic pellets, uh, about $150 million, you know, asked me to come on as their first CFO and formalize them a little bit. But I was still young, and after a few years of working for this family business, I wanted something a little bit more on the proactive side. So. I was looking for that proactive environment and I did a national job search and lo and behold, I found uh, a startup supply chain company right in North New Jersey. So I didn't even have to move. And it was run by a phenomenal ex-executive of a a Fortune 50 company. Um, And uh, I just said to myself, this is it. I'm going to learn, you know, all the things I want to learn. And I worked for him for a couple of years and lo and behold, the, uh, CEO of the plastics company called me back. He said, Wayne, please come back. Please help us restructure the company and sell it. We have to sell it. And I I talked to my boss and he said, Wayne, I hate to see you go. It's going to be the best experience you ever have. Call me when you're done. So three years later, it was a restructuring. It was a sale. It actually went to a strategic versus a PE. And when I was done, I called my boss back at the supply chain company and I said, hey, I'm done. And he said, I have your office ready for you in two weeks. And I went back. So I sort of have bounced back and forth and I like to call it a theme of being asked back, which is a form of uh, 
of, of a compliment. Um, 12 years at this company, a phenomenal 12 years with two distinct parts. We had Wayne's go-go years from 16, <laughs> we grew from 35 million to 350 million. It was beyond oh, wow. wildest dream. It was M&A and it was new customers and new business models. And then when the, uh, I call it the oil and gas pricing crisis of 17 was here to stay, parts of the businesses started to crumble. And the little voice in my head said that we were over our skis in that industry, oil and gas, but it really came to roost. And by mid-17, the board said, we've got to fix things. And they, they strongly suggested I stick around, restructure the company, divest the underperforming units, shrink the uh, corporate overhead to almost nothing, make it a nice, simple, profitable business for the particular family. We did that and replaced the bank. And in 18, I had some time to think about what to do next. I started getting calls from bankers in my network saying, hey, Wayne, I hear you're on the beach. Uh, I've, uh, I've got a problem client. Uh, do you think you could you know, do some, 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 some work? First one happened to be in, in North Carolina, which, you know, our, you know, two hour plane ride. And I thought about it for a split second and I said, sure, I'll do it. And that's how I sort of started in this interim freelance contract CFO role because I absolutely loved that first engagement. Um, it was a little bit of everything. It was a little crisis management. It was a little interim. There were staffing issues. There were vendor issues. There were liquidity issues. And, uh, you know, three months later, they were stable. We hired a local replacement. So that's sort of how I got here. Wow. There's some really cool things in there, Wayne. It's, I... it's been a fun journey, Andrew, 100%. Yeah, that's that's an interesting one. For, I think some, you know, and, and the word finance obviously starts with um, uh, F. And actually, you know, it's, it says fin, which is sort of N, but it's, right. we should probably turn around to fun. You know, like, um, must have been some really fantastic stories through that cycle. Actually, there's a few things actually I want to go into with you. One was that expression you said, being asked back. Yes. For me, that resonates so much because that's a sign of, of someone in finance adding value, whether it was, you know, during your career or, or even now or into the future, being asked back. I mean, what, what things do we need to be doing, Wayne, in your mind to be asked back? I think right now the focus on everything finance right now is so technical. The artificial intelligence and robotics and data visualization and all these great things. Um, and that's all wonderful. And I hope we never lose the emphasis on leadership and motivation and more importantly, just the ability to talk to people and to lead. Because I, I kind of think that one of my strengths, let's say I'm, uh, we're all hard workers. I kind of think that one of my strengths is my ability to manage a diverse group of people. You know, we all know we work with great, easy to work with colleagues and we have some difficult ones. And, mm -hmm. uh, you know, if you have the, 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 the skill set to be able to, to work with this diverse group and to manage and motivate and lead and get a common vision and align and coach, um, you become an incredibly valued asset. Um, that's all assuming that our technical skills are on par and our strategic skills but um, I kind of think it's just the, 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 the EQ, the emotional quotient that allows you to work with a diverse crowd. Yeah, I mean, it may, it may be tough for us to, to may ask you this question because, you know, you, you obviously lived this, Wayne, but like 
could be one or two things that our audience could do to improve or enhance their EQ or the, the ability to get on with a diverse range of people? Well, yeah, I think it's a lot of, and, and where I went from uh, good to very good was um, when I got some criticism about my ability to interact. I was a little shocked at first, and of course it hurt. And then I began asking people around me, how, how, am, I, how am I perceived? Um, you know, and I got some really interesting feedback. Um, I got some feedback that you're, Wayne, you're, you're a little disconnected. You don't always seem interested in people. Sometimes you're too focused on the end goal. Uh, <laughs> and uh, I said, yeah, aren't these all good things? Until some yeah. really wise uh, woman in HR said, no, they're not. <laughs> they're really not. You know, your job is to lead these people. Your job is to be concerned about them and to make sure they feel safe and have the tools to do a good job and make sure they succeed. I said, oh, <laughs> and I was able to sort of take all that information and, and work on myself a little bit. And uh, this was as a young man. And you have to think about the soft skills. You have to ask people around you, how am I doing and how am I perceived? That's brilliant. I mean, look, you know, what's stopping our audience asking that question other than a little bit of fear? But if you think about it, you know, the benefits of asking that question, and we may not like hearing what we hear back, but it could be a very powerful advantage. Yes. Um, you know, like, where did you, like, just, you know, for all this, like, I suppose, obviously it worked out well for you, Wayne, because you got that great um, advice and you kept continuing to be get asked back. But like, how, what gave you the courage or how did you, you know, uh, build yourself up to ask that question of, of how you're perceived? Um, it was probably the remark of one controller who worked for me who just in a fit of frustration and uh, probably a little bit of exhaustion, I asked him to stay and do something uh, ready for morning. And he said, I have to get home and I don't think you care. And I just, <laughs> wow, that was just like cold water on the head. And I said, what do you mean? And he, he kind of vented and um, that kicked the whole thing off. Um, you know, it's free to get yelled at. That's good for everyone here to know. It's absolutely free to get yelled at. And usually you're going to make the person on the other end feel much better once they're done yelling. And if you handle it right, they'll say, boy, I really didn't mean to yell and get upset. And that was unprofessional and I'm sorry. But man, do I feel better. And our job is to make people we interact with feel a little bit better about themselves. Actually, yeah, that, that's something. Actually, you know, I get a great kick out of that myself. I, I have people come into my office and, and I one chap, he just comes in, he vents, and then he, I go, you feel much better? He goes, yeah, and he walks straight back out. 100%. You know, so, so, so look, and I think, you know, that, that's another important thing is uh, we sometimes you get caught up in this technical side of our job and trying to be professionals and mm -hmm. bottling it all in. That's probably sometimes the worst thing we can do. It's about uh, talking it out sometimes. And uh, I really appreciate you calling that out. Wayne, um, now, you know, I, I do just again, so much great things in your career. I have to ask you, how do you go as a finance professional, as a leader from $35 million to $350 million company and um, keep your sanity? Well, it wasn't just me, although it's fun to say it was just me. It was a phenomenal team. Um, the, the, the clinical answer is it was a combination of M&A of new large customers and new business models. The kind of way you do that is by having a, a terrific team and a 
vision that we are going to grow and we need to stay ahead of the growth curve, not be just at the cusp or worse yet behind. Because when you bring on a new client, and in our case, they were large new clients, you know, million dollar contracts, um, you have one opportunity to delight them. And if you think not having the right people trained on hand is good for the bottom line, it's horrible for a critical implementation. So you always have to have uh, an inventory of people ready to deploy. And the leader of the company, the CEO, was a big proponent of that. Um, I really learned some valuable lessons. And it was really sort of investing in your short-term and your long-term future by being ready for the growth. Not everyone can do that because you're not always ensured that growth will come. But uh, in this case, we were confident. Um, and, and that was really the strategy. Had I not done that and spent a career of scrambling, um, I might have gone nuts out of my <laughs> But um, Sounds like so. Like rather than obviously, there's probably reactive moments to that growth, right? Mm -hmm. uh, you know, anything that's been thrown in with your new business model or taking on new customers, uh, ingesting or digesting a uh, an acquisition mm -hmm. or, or merger, like that's 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 hard enough. But there must be, by the sounds of it, there must be some sort of proactive element, probably set by the vision, I guess, saying we are going to grow, so let's expect growth and prepare for it rather than react to it. And as you said, probably we'd lose our sanity that way. Yeah, I think that was a very good summary, Andrew. I, hey, look, I'm, I'm benefiting so much from this. I think uh, I, I love the way you're telling the stories there, Wayne. And, um, you know, moving on from, from your career story to more now, like what's, um, what's exciting you most about your current work? It harkens me back to the days of public accounting. And, and frankly, for those of us, most of us probably on this listening who started in public accounting. We may have grown to dislike it after a couple years because most of it have left. But when you think back on it, there were some really, you know, engaging parts. We got to go from client to client. We got to see different people and see different things, complete a job and move on. And I kind of forgot how much I like that. Uh, and in this, you know, contract CFO interim role, um, it's really a much different dynamic than spending, you know, in my case, 12 years growing one company. I'm finding that kind of rewarding right now. I, I think I will probably continue to find that rewarding. Um, you know, as I said to you before on the pre-call, if somebody comes to me with a uh, super offer to join a company full time, might I take it? Absolutely. But right now I'm, I'm, I'm really engaged with the challenge of seeing these companies who are in a little bit of crisis or transition using some of the basic block and tackle techniques that I've learned over the years to, to you know, bring some stabilization and, and being successful. And that's, that's been real motivating. Yeah, that, I, I, love, I love the way you sort of link that back to the start of you know, your career and also for many of our listeners in terms of when we start in public practice or, or yeah, in public accounting or practice, it's, it's like there, you do get that variety of client to client. Um, you know, we're learning all these new experiences mm -hmm. that that's quite exciting. I can see how that, that follows through. I mean, is this, is this, is, is our, our initial training for some of us that go down that route? So we're so used to going from client to client mm. early in our careers 
So when when we've matured and we've we've got our uh, you know our our techniques, our block and tackles, and we've got our our tactics uh, to to go implement to go help stabilize particular businesses that are calling out for interim uh, resources. Do you, do you feel that that early exposure of going client to client and the skills we maybe subconsciously pick up there could be preparing us quite well for you know the emergence of the gig economy not just for younger members of our profession but also for those of us who are moving to our careers well i i think this gig economy is going to be new for all of us um and uh it's scary uh because in my case it's a feast or famine environment and the preparation is not so much in the actual work that we do because i believe it is very similar to working in the corporate setting we all have our daily crises that have to be met, um, and, and that's where we're really learning to deal with a diverse group of people, and that's where you're learning these, as I call these block and tackle skills. What's new to me, and it would probably be new to anybody who makes a similar leap from the safety of the corporate environment to the uncertainty of the gig economy, is creating this marketing machine that you have to have to keep your pipeline full. I think the analogy that I got from a, a good buddy of mine who you know too, Steve Roosevelt, out in, on the West Coast, was, so Wayne, you want to be a one-armed a one paper hanger, do you? And I said, <laughs> yup, I think I do, and I think, I, I, I think I'll be good at it. But we're in this new world right now where marketing and networking is changing uh, at, at light speed. Right now, LinkedIn is a great resource. And in three years, it's going to be something else. So um, the dynamics of the gig economy are more how do we bridge from job to job. Um, and hopefully, it's really a blend of our training early on in the very professional public accounting scenario where we learn a little bit about the consulting side of the world, our time in corporate, and the people that we see around us. Um, That's that's brilliant. You know, yeah, that's that's really good. I think I think people learn and they develop their style um, really by by the by the best people that they've worked for. I uh, remember asking a senior executive once, who I was very in awe of, how did you learn to be so well spoken and thoughtful, and how did you learn to command a room when you're in the room? He said. Well, earlier in my career, I watched great people around me. I watched, I listened, I learned, and I copied. And, uh, you know, I thought that was a great, great um, piece of advice. And it really is consistent with, you know, you hear about people leave jobs not because they don't like the company or they don't like the work. They leave jobs because they don't like the person they're working for. So, Boy, if you have the good fortune to have a couple of great mentors, bosses, supervisors in your life, that's where you're going to learn the key skills to be successful. That's at least my experience. Hey, look, uh, when I, I couldn't agree more. And, and look, one of the main motivations for having this show to strengthen the numbers is to bring on guest mentors like yourself to share such bits of advice. Because I do think a lot of us are, you know, in terms of the skills we pick up, um, they're from they're from the people that we've surrounded ourselves with and been fortunate to to learn from. And uh, you know, I, I I like to think that as finance professionals, we are quite a smart bunch. I mean, you, you don't get a role in finance 
uh, easily you know you have to if you, either if you have to study or you have to work hard at it um but but we do know how to deconstruct a business model we do know how yeah. to identify success and we do know how to sort of follow that through so why can't we do the same i guess with our careers in terms of the best bits in terms of the skills that uh, are necessary so you mentioned earlier about you know the gig economy marketing is going to become important well that might be a case of learning from people in marketing teams or, or in public relations and, and and taking on their bits of advice um, and surrounding ourselves with good people there or you know like as i said you know, i said to you previously it's um you know one of my best mentors was was an interim cfo i learned so much because it's such a fantastic broad experience and i'll, I'll have uh, forever be in debt yeah. So, uh, so Wayne, so thank you, thank you for such great advice uh, there, Wayne. And sure. I suppose, you know, you've been great sharing your advice with us. But I mean, what's been the best bit of advice you've ever received? Um, get ready to laugh. Uh, it was earlier in my career at my first job uh, as CFO. Um, I was high energy. I was loquacious. I wanted to contribute. And one of the uh, board members who happened to be trained as an attorney uh, pulled me aside and he said, Wayne, you know, when you're sitting with a group, less is more. (laughs) I was a little bit puzzled and uh, I believe his name was Alex. And I said, Alex, can you just elaborate a little bit more? And and he said, okay, I'm going to be blunt. He said, be blunt. He said, talk less and listen more. (laughs) And I said, oh, I think I get it. And I've never sat in a meeting since where I don't hear his voice because sometimes you're so eager to, in my case, you know, dominate or, or lead or, or, or influence. Um, and it's so easy just to be the center of attention, but that's not our role. Um, it's really to, uh, Peter Drucker said it best to lead with questions, to listen, and then to have a few impactful uh, I guess I call them things to say. So I think that was some of the best advice. And I think I'm going to call the guy who, uh, who gave me that when we're done and thank him because I don't know that I ever have. Oh, wow. That's, that's, um, that's amazing. I Wayne couldn't agree with that more. Um, you, you know, someone said it to me, actually something very similar it was, um, that's why we have two ears and one mouth. There's a lot of great sayings. So it's like, that sticks with you, doesn't it? <laughs> Those yeah. sort of things. Less is more. And uh, yeah, that's great advice. And uh, I, I suppose then, you know, looking looking to the resources you, you found useful and any books you could recommend our, our audience go check out? I have a favorite. It's a little bit of an older one. It's called Execution. Uh, it's by Ram Sharam, who's an academic, and Larry Bossidy, who, as you know, is a practitioner. And where... You might expect it to be highly theoretical and and, 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 and and the kind of thing that makes your head spin. It's probably the most practical book that I've ever read about leadership and accountability. Um, I guess the one example that sticks in my head, because I think the last time I read it was five or seven years ago, is every time Larry Bossidy would go on a visit on his plane ride back, he'd handwrite a note to someone that he spoke to. He'd write something very complimentary and then say, Here's what I expect when I return from my next visit. And something as simple and clear as that, uh, make a habit. You do it, a, what, 10,000 times, it becomes 
ingrained in your you know, psyche. Um, so many little pearls of wisdom like that, that uh, I think make it really one of my favorite business books. That's a great tip. That's a I mean, uh, easy read. It, and I, uh, but but like but like even down to that tip itself, like the, um, how many handwritten notes do we give? I know we've got these uh, emails nowadays, mm-hmm. but we a lot of us still tend to work in offices and with people. Then the power of a handwritten note should not be underestimated. It's a really good chance to stand out now nowadays. Now it really so, is. That's an interesting thing that you bring up in the in the, in the world of LinkedIn and marketing and mm-hmm. emails. You know, is the right thing to do to write a handwritten note every now and then. Um, yeah. I'm going to find out. We're going to find out. Yeah. Yeah. Well, uh, let, let us know how you get on, Wayne. I, and, and I shall share with our audience similarly. It could, it could be a, a Monday memo on that one. Yeah. <laughs> so common tips on handwritten notes and, and their success. So, so yeah, I, I do, I do um, let, yeah, watch this space on that one. So, so look, Wade, that, really great advice. I mean, should any of our audience wish to continue the conversation, where's the best place to connect with you at? Uh, well, you can start on LinkedIn. Uh, you can email me directly. Um, I'm happy to give out my phone number in the USA, uh, 201-543-1591. And uh, I'm delighted to engage in conversation with uh, just about anybody. Um, and, uh, you know, perhaps I could help them a little bit. And perhaps as I embark on this new uh, new phase of my career, I could receive a little bit of advice on um, – on anything, but specifically marketing and business development, um, because it, it changes day by day, month by month. Mm-hmm. Definitely, definitely very true. And I, I suppose Wayne, you know, look, really appreciated your advice. I love the the expression. I'm going to borrow that now. Being asked back, it's a great way of looking at how successful and how much value we're creating as finance professionals. I I, I love the fact that you you know you're create some amazing um experiences i don't i don't know many of us would get to be surrounded by such growth opportunities and then uh, find a way into the the interim world which is, is super exciting so but before we wrap up um any parting thoughts for our audience um michael phelps the swimmer is uh the, the uh spokesperson now for a, a new application i believe it's called talkspace and he starts the commercial saying if I could tell my younger self something, and in his case, it would be to get therapy earlier. Uh, if I could tell my younger self something, it would be listen to all the people around you who are telling you the most valuable asset you have is your network. Um, cultivate it. Use it. Uh, I, I used to wonder why a certain boss of mine would spend two or three days handwriting Christmas cards and sending out hundreds, and then visiting people. And now I get it. The most important asset we have is our network. And you can start it late. It's harder work. But as a young person, take if you can take good care of it, if you pick up the phone a few times a year, send cards, write emails, visit, um, you're going to find a stage in your career where anything and everything you need is a simple phone call away. And I think that's the best advice that I could give to anybody in not only finance, plain all anybody. Yeah, that, that's that's awesome. That That's awesome, Wayne. And I know that's going to resonate with some of our audience who, yeah. who have found the, the power of yeah. cultivating networks much later in life. I mean, it's not um, new, 
but it no. it um boy for anyone listening who could start today taking really good care of your network um you will no doubt reap enormous benefits in the future that's awesome what what a great way to end the show wayne so look really appreciate you investing your time with us today and coming on the show yeah andrew thank you for having me it was it was wonderful to get to know you and um and to be part of this and uh thank you for asking the question earlier about if anyone wants to continue a conversation because um everything starts with a conversation it doesn't start with an email or a linkedin or a hit or a swipe left or a swipe right it starts with a conversation and as a very famous person in my life once said, no, no deal gets signed without a meal. If you don't break bread, you're not signing a big deal. So let's, let, let's have lunch. So there you have it. Hope you enjoyed today's show. If you'd like to know more about our guests today, their bio, and follow up on the resources mentioned during the show, you can find all the relevant links and more at sitnshow.com. There you'll also be able to get access to earlier shows, read the latest blogs. There's also an opportunity to subscribe to our newsletter, which will give you heads up as to when the next show is coming out, latest events, news, and anything that's going to be relevant to help you have a fun, rewarding, and successful career in finance and accounting. And just before you go, we really appreciate your feedback. If there's something we can do better on the show, something that's not working, or something you'd like to see, even a guest you'd like for us to invite onto the show, someone who you think might be able to benefit you more and also the rest of our community, please let me know. You can email me. I'm at andrew at sitnshow.com or feel free to connect with me on LinkedIn. Just drop me a message so I know how you found me and we can connect. And really it's our community that will make the show. If we keep engaging and driving each other on, we'll keep on building our strength in the numbers. And when all is said and done, if we can do the numbers better and finance better, we'll create more opportunities for ourselves, our friends, our families, our communities and our businesses. So until next time, have a good rest of the week. Take care and let's keep building our strength in the numbers. 